just read stories. I'm Utrecia Lead, and I'm glad to be back together with each other again today. So let's tackle the topic. I'm going to ask a question, uh, the answers to which will be very different, of course, because people have the different experiences. And we will start from there. Of course, you know that we have put our pinky toes <laughs> into the water, testing some new ideas. And uh, we continue with that and see where it leads us. All right, so I'm going to ask you a question. Ponder it for what? A good three seconds? <laughs> and then call in at 888-874-4888 with your answer. Uh, but you would need to think about the answer itself because that is a, a part of the continuum of what we started uh, a couple of days ago, a week ago or so. Okay, here's the question. What has changed about your political outlook in recent years? What has changed about your political outlook in recent years? What has changed you from what to what? How, in other words, have you changed in political outlook in the past few years? And what would you say? Oh, are you hearing the thunder? Are we having a rather thunderous experience here now? Lots of rain and thunder and lightning. What would you say has caused that change? If you've ever thought about it. So here are the elements again. What has changed about your political outlook in recent years? From what to what? What would you say has caused that change? Okay, that's that's the whole shebang right there. 888-874-4888 is the number to call. And so you can tell us a lot by answering this question about what changes you have gone through and how conscious are you of the changes that you have gone through and where did it take you from what to what what are you now that you weren't just a couple of years ago and how has it shaped your political outlook now 888-874-4888 is the number to call. 
There's a reason for the question. Let's hear, let's hear what you have to say. And I'm going to ask you to possibly, uh, you know, put some elastic in it or maybe to be more in- introspective. I'll ask you questions depending on how you answer the question. <clears throat> 888 874 4888. Now, I'm not seeing. Jeremiah from Harlem is on the line. I'm not hearing. Jeremiah from Harlem is on the line. Okay, Jeremiah from Harlem, you're on the air. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing well today. Thank you, Eutrice. Uh, I have a little uh, assignment that I have to take care of uh, for my wife, but I had to call you as soon as I heard the topic, as soon as I heard the invitation in terms of how have we changed politically. And I've noticed a very clear and specific change in my point of view in the sense that I always identified myself as a leftist. And what do I mean by that? Well, to me, leftists, meant a lot of things actually, but it meant first of all that I fundamentally believed in the redistribution of wealth, if that's possible. I think it's obscene that a person could have one billion dollars and another person could literally be begging on the streets for money and not even have one dollar to get a one dollar slice of pizza at these particular places that could actually still sell you a slice for one dollar. Um you know, I think that's just obscene. I think it's an obscenity of wealth, and I think there should be a redistribution of wealth. And then I also felt that a leftist was a person who stood up for people, who knows that oppression occurs in this world, and says, you know what, you can't um, you know, discriminate against that person because that person looks a certain way or because that person is a woman or so on and so on and so forth, that everyone deserves human dignity and everyone deserves to be safe. Um, that's to me what a leftist was. But when the whole COVID uh, situation started, um, all of a sudden these definitions to me started to change. And I tie it into um, the problem of lesser of two evils politics, basically, that the radicals who um, you know, maintained a sort of critique outside of the system, but then still participated in the system, which always meant resorting to the lesser of two evils. I think several generations into that repetitive mechanism of lesser of two evils has taken us into a really strange place where the former radicals are now like sort of the guard dogs or the attack dogs for the so-called, you know, mainstream liberal political class which is identified in the mainstream discourse as left, but is actually center-right, is pro-corporate, <laughs> pro-war. You do understand point. that some of us are going to be having quite an adventure just keeping up with your terminology here. Oh, it, it is very adventurous, actually. But well, that's one thing that I was more aware of, I, well, I've been aware of for years, is I've been aware of sort of all these different factions of the left. It's quite amusing. Like, you know, for example, there's the PLP in New York City, the Progressive Labor Party. Their belief is that the, the misrepresentation of Stalin is the greatest historical distortion. And they have a whole other thing of, oh, Stalin wasn't nearly as bad as people say, and so on and so forth. 
They made an interesting newspaper that had an interesting take on different events, but that was their background. Then you have all these other groups, the anarchists and various factions, the Trotskyites and the Maoists and all this kind of stuff. But the right also has all these kind of gradations that I wasn't mm-hmm. particularly aware of. And I'm not completely aware of them now, but I'm more aware of them. Like there's a sort of weird holistic right, vegetarian environmentalist right wingers <laughs> and they identify themselves as right, but they don't eat meat <laughs> and all this other stuff. So there's all these different, you know, factions, but one thing that I find really fascinating and, and this is where we are and I don't want to just go on and on and on because the whole topic is quite fascinating and I could go on for quite a long time with my musings. But one thing I find interesting is people themselves can't particularly define what left and right means in the current context. For example, I come across self-identified right-wingers that say, oh, the leftist said this and the leftist did that. And I say, are you a right-winger? Yes, I'm right. What does that mean? Does that mean like you're pro-corporate or like you're pro-police? Like you, you, you're like, you, you look at Mussolini as a great historical figure. Like, what does it mean to be right? And I've not gotten one straight answer out of the self-proclaimed like American patriot right. They just oppose the left. And, you know, and likewise, to me, the left is completely useless because, you know, they're, they're not sticking up for the people in any number of examples, like the examples I highlighted in my presentation on your show. So I think the whole thing is just very mushy now, what we call left and what we call right. And, you know, most people, when you say left, they're extreme left. Whereas in my mind, when you say left, I'm thinking of the radical left. So, you know, it, it's very confusing. And I think the, the ruling system, the dominant system is very adaptable now to all of our needs to, to, to identify with something, to our identi- identity politics needs. Um, you know, I think the commercial system of commercialism and consumerism and consumption is prepared to pull you in however you like it. So where on the map are you for this? With this issue? Um, well, with this issue, um, I consider myself, you know, I, I just kind of stick to my old school values that were, you know, the values that, that I believed in the first place as an activist, as a humanist, as a, you know, pan-Africanist, as a, you know, dare I say socialist or communist. Depending, you know, depending on your interpretation of those words, you know, I believe that every human being still should be provided with food, clothing, and protection from danger, that no one should be suffering in the streets, and that we have the means to take care of every human person, and all the other things, you know, thinking about the environment as well, that we can't just recklessly destroy our environment and treat the planet Earth like an infinite garbage can. You know, I'm still a utopian philosopher at heart but the landscape has changed you know i've had to find new allies and uh you know some some people in my opinion have kind of sold out you know i'm not going to call them out by name on this program but i think a lot of selling out has occurred um and there's room for forgiveness around that but those people uh, i don't want to be led astray by those individuals however well, I will forgive. I will not be led astray. So are you aware in your daily dealings, are you aware 
of this metamorphosis that you have been through and still are going through? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been sort of forced to be very aware of it in a strange way. And you know where it started, and it's something I'm sure some of your listeners will identify with, which is because I oppose vaccine mandates and because I, I stood up for medical freedom, so to speak, um, that automatically is something that labels you as a right winger, which I find unbelievably strange. Um, you know, that, you know, and, and actually there's a point that I wanted to make previously on your program when we ran out of time is that it's such a fascinating thing that um, if you go back and look at the historical record, um, both Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, both independent of each other, in interviews, said that they wouldn't trust a Trump vaccine. They said it very clearly. In fact, Joe Biden said it on more than one occasion and even said so sarcastically, like, who would trust such a thing? And then turned around and mandated the same vaccine he himself wouldn't trust. So I find that fascinating that you'll penalize, you'll ostracize and penalize a segment of the population who agreed with what you said in the first place and basically said, which is basically implying when I flip flop, you have to flip flop with me. (laughs) I find that phenomenal. So you're still unfolding. You're still, Oh, you know, you you know, it's actually, you know, it's really a fascinating example in in regard to what we're talking about. You is there was a, a Dutch, um, I don't want to missay his name is Ruse or something to that effect. R O O S, I believe. And he came out, and this is quite a big deal in the news, which is kind of getting distorted. But he he came out um, with this profound. Uh, I guess it wasn't even. It was a statement in association with an interview or, or a, a hearing that was happening. I don't know the European political system, but as a member of the European Parliament, basically, he was questioning a Pfizer executive as to whether or not they ever tested for. Um, these vaccines stopping the transmission of the virus. And the woman's response was very strange. She said, well, no, no, we didn't have time to test that. We're moving at the speed of science, quote, unquote. And this man, you know, exposed that they they didn't do these tests, which is actually, it had already been exposed, which is an interesting part of the story that they're pretending as though this is new information when it technically is not. Um, It's just, I guess it was stated in that setting. But, Someone that said, oh, well, this is a right-wing person. You should look into um, what they said uh, or, what, or what this person represents in general in terms of, you know, other comments that they've made and, and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, I could disagree with somebody 99 times and say, but I agree with that one statement. And that's something that's very strange that's going on right now is through all this kind of needing to identify, you know, it's like the truth isn't the truth anymore. You know, to me, if someone states the truth, well, I could disagree with every other thing that you said, but that part I find to be true or I consider to be correct or true. It's like, you know, if you are a medical patient and, um, you know, you could, you know, you need a surgery, are you going to interrogate the doctor as to their beliefs or do you just need to know that you have a qualified practitioner? Like is someone's knowledge, not their knowledge until they conform to who you think people should be. I mean, what an absurd notion. You know, and I feel like that's kind of what people are getting into. You, you state a fact and people immediately start attacking the individual who presented the fact and never address the fact, which was an important fact that we should all discuss and which should be addressed. 
So, you know, I just find that interesting. It's like I could disagree with the person, like in this case, and say, well, I'm proud, that or not proud, but I'm happy, I'm pleased, I mean to say, that the person is speaking up in this instance, you know. Like, for example, well, Dr. Carlton. Well, you, you, you've got to start it with a, quite a complex um, analysis today, and it's fascinating because all oh, along you. You, you're weighing for yourself as you examine contradictions, you're weighing still the possibility that you have to you pick a side somewhere. Except what are going to be the the bases on which you pick a side and and form a political identity will it will it pass muster even among intimate friends of yours? Would it pass muster with the community or even yourself? It's very fascinating your answer. Thank you so much for getting us started today, Jeremiah. I really appreciate well, it. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it as well. Thank you. Thank you. Gwen from New York, you're on the air at 888-874-4888. What have you hi. to say? Hi, Teresa. Um, hi. Uh, hi. I, uh, I wanted to say that uh, so much of what Jeremiah said is the same quandary that I find myself in. Uh, I always uh, thought of myself as, uh, 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 I used to say, to, I'm so left, I'm falling off the side of the, the planet. That's, that's what I'd say to people. Um, I, I identified with socialists. I, I you know, moved out there at protests. I would support socialist causes because I thought that was fair and equitable. Um, you know, racism, uh, lack of, uh, of good housing, these are really uh, centerpiece issues uh, for me. Anti-war, I went to, you know, all the anti-war protests uh, that, that I could go to. And for many, many, many years, I've listened to WBAI to the point where, you know, there were times when I couldn't even get off the radio to go to work because I was so involved in listening to it. I found it so fascinating. So <clears throat> this is where... You know, I discovered BAI when I was probably um, 30, and it was just, it, it just drew me in like nothing ever did. It was so interesting, and I found the people that I thought were willing to really uh, stand up against the powers that be. And so, so many times, uh, you know, this is where um, I, I was able to align with others that I felt that had the same mindset as myself. So <clears throat> today, when you ask me, what I am and who I am, I almost can't tell you anymore, except for that I can tell you, uh, I know that there is a, a, a very strong agenda to polarize people. That, that's one thing. And the second thing is that uh, I no longer listen to very much of WBAI because I have found it so utterly insulting to hear people that I've listened to for years speak with such scorn about people like me who will not get uh, a vaccine and who, who challenge that. I am shocked when I hear people uh, on the radio who used to be adamant. They used to say they were pacifists. That meant they, were, they wouldn't get involved in any war. And as soon as uh, the bombs started to drop uh, in, in Ukraine, uh, just took a side right away and just jumped on it. And uh, so I, 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 I don't know 
what to do with this. And I found that uh, the movement that I used to, you know, be so involved with, my political movement, has shifted into a place of uh, topics that to me, while, yes, they are important, but are they as important? I mean, you know, to me, there's a triage of of emergencies that, that you have to look at. I mean, I know that when I had run for political office before that, you know, I have to look at New York as a triage of where do we need to get put the money first? You know, we've, we've got to get people housed. We've got to get them off the street. We've got to get rents lowered. That's that's so important to me. It's it's not as important to me that a very 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 tiny percent of this population, maybe not in New York, but throughout the country, is is uh, going to have uh, their their war is going to be about uh, whether or not uh, they they can go into a bathroom for you know um, as a, as a transsexual. That's that's a huge battle. Now, that is an important battle to some people, but to me, it doesn't have any, it doesn't come close to the uh, the war against uh, black people in this country and the everyday violence that, that is uh, perpetrated upon them uh, through the police. Uh, and, and don't tell me it's not important, not you, but I'm talking about other, other white people that I meet, other people that I just meet telling me they trivialize it. But how, how can you trivialize something like this? Um, so these were my big issues, and and they're just not really issues anymore. Um, some of the things are issues: the, the violence against black people uh, with, through the police. This is this is you'll hear it. But uh, so much so much other stuff is just crap. And uh, on top of it, I have to hear you know lecture after lecture from people about uh, you know why I uh, have to take a vaccine, which uh, you know, it hasn't even been tested. And and these people apparently have decided to do, uh, you know, what the, what the vaccination companies have decided to do. Uh, they've decided, you know, uh, just to blindly go along with it, don't, wor- don't worry about testing it, and just uh, let the chips fall where they're going to fall. And that's not a very good way of doing business to me. It's not a very good way of doing anything, not, not to research uh, something. There is plenty of research out there about, uh, how how the side effects are and how deadly are they are with this vaccine, and yet people just decide to ignore that information. So if you just ignore it, like Donald Trump did, he did a lot of ignoring of situations, and you don't you don't look at this these other facts, then you you can just keep you know plugging away with with this position that we we all have to take this vaccine. But what I found the biggest slap in the face was that the very people that for years told me how bad this government was, how, how, how you couldn't trust them, how they had, you know, pulled all kinds of uh, deception o- over the American people's eyes. These people were the first ones to tell me to, to, to get out and stick my arm out and take, take a vaccine, that, that, that this very same corrupt uh, leadership uh, was foisting upon us and uh, basically saying, stand down, and if you don't stand down and, and, and uh, capitulate, then we'll humiliate you. You know, we'll, we'll speak very badly. Now, I was listening to a very interesting young woman this morning. I know you've heard her. Uh, Whitney Webb is very, very, she's a wonderful uh, young reporter. And um, uh, they use the term synthetic, synthetic Democrat, oh, no, synthetic leftist. And I think that's so, such a great appropriate term because I think for people like Jeremiah and myself that I do really feel like that we are the real leftists and that this new form of leftist, uh, which has been kind of um, 
I don't know, the torch has been kind of carried or, or they've kind of invented it with maybe the Amy Goodmans and the David Rothenbergs. I think these are the new synthetic left. So they have, you know, created something new. But it doesn't really have much to do with the original uh, roots of the left. Uh, it has a lot to do with a lot of uh, crap. It has a lot to do with prop- propaganda. It has to do with carrying water for uh, 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 these huge corporations, which want to uh, give us a vaccine which we know nothing about. And they don't want to question anything either. And I found that during my travels over the last couple of years, which has been very painful. I mean, my own family has been, uh, you know, said terrible things about me. Right now I have COVID and I can't, I can't tell anybody in my family. <laughs> they don't listen to the radio station, don't worry. But, you know, I told my mother, but the point is, is that I know why if I say anything, all I'm going to hear is I told you so. The meanwhile, everybody in my family who has gotten a vaccine now has had COVID three or four times. So in two years, I've gotten it, and I'm almost over it now. But anyway, the point is is that uh, it's been a very confusing time. It's also opened up um, my my mind. I am willing to now uh, listen to people. I don't listen to people's point of view. No, I do listen to people's point of view, even if I don't agree with it. And I let that. Uh, the things that I don't agree with, I just let that roll off my back. But there's some other things that I do agree with, and I'm so finding that more and more, if you if you listen carefully, you will find that people that you wrote off your list that you thought you'd never have anything in common with, you might have something in common with. And this just might be what saves human humanity is is if we can recognize that there is there there are things that pull us together more than keep us apart. And I'm not saying that in a kumbaya way. I'm actually saying that to you in a in a way of survivalism because it seems that we're in we've got our head in the clouds where this uh vaccine is concerned and we're just really starting to see uh a lot of really bad things happen from it and as was predicted. So do you consciously period. do you consciously now or in the last couple of years starting back then do you consciously wear a label that shapes your behavior? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I understand that. Um, I mean, uh, I, I don't know whether I wear a label. I mean, you you well, describe yourself as left. I put it out leftist. there. Yes. Okay. It, 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 I put Does it, that I, shape I your behavior? Does it shape your consciousness in a real way? Yes. Yes, I put my money where my, as a matter of fact, uh, one of the things that really bugs me is when people don't put their money where their mouth is. I really hate that about, I found over the years, particularly being in politics, that one thing that's really frustrating is that the, 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 the left-leaning parties do not put their money where their mouth is. Many, many people are just a mouth. That's it. I can't tell you how many times I've gone out with people that just want to hear themselves blather on about, you know, anarchists and, and all, all kinds of nonsense and crap. But when, when you ask them, well, what have you done today? Did you do anything to... Uh, to, to, look, Jesus Christ to me was a hippie radical Jew, okay? And he got the death penalty because he kept opening his mouth up and he made people feel very uncomfortable. So if you want to know what a real lefty is, that's a real lefty. And he died for his cause. He put his money where his mouth is. 
So I get very tired of hearing all these benevolent people and speaking out about prejudice and all this other stuff. And they never, they, they never do anything. They never put their, their, their money where their mouth is. They never get involved in anything that would take a, 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 anything more than them opening up their mouth. You know, once in a while, it's a great thing to open up your mouth. But other times, boots on the ground is what's needed. Once in a while, you have to show up for somebody in court when they're alone and they don't have somebody there. You need to guide them. You need to help them. You, you, you just, you know, you just need to, to do things. And I don't find that happening very much on the left, I'm sorry to say. And I have to say that there have been times in my life when <clears throat> I was involved in certain causes. And, you know, I remember people that were on the right were willing to throw some money into the, pu- the bucket or volunteer. I'm not saying they were all merry sunshine and stuff. I'm just saying that they seem to understand the gravity of having something behind what you're saying, you know, putting, putting something out there, not just saying, this is how I feel. It's not, it's not enough just to say what you feel. So that's, that's that. And I tried very hard in my life, um, even including running for office. And I want to tell you something that it was very disappointing to me. How many years I listened to BAI and I listened to people say, oh, you should always run for office and everybody's got a chance. And it's like, that's a bunch of crap. Those very same people, when I would, I remember uh, going into uh, um, um, debates with, with really bad candidates. And they knew they were bad candidates. They told me off the record they knew they were bad candidates. But they were there supporting them. And they were there. I remember one time one of the people from BAI took a microphone from my hand. I said I couldn't speak. I better sit down because I embarrassed this candidate so badly. I didn't embarrass the candidate. The candidate had, had made some true lies. And I just pointed them out. And boy, they were upset about it. So, you know, it was, you find, it's like living, it's, it's like growing up. It's like, oh, I, finally, okay, I understand. But, you know, I came to BAI with wide open eyes. It was refreshing. It was, you know, it, it, it just meant so much to me. I thought people were really, really sincere. And when I found out that a lot of people are not sincere, they're just wanting to have a mouthpiece over some, uh, over some issue but when it takes getting really getting involved, you know, they're not going to do too much to get involved. I mean, they'll do bus trips and things like that. But, you know, uh, humanity begins one-on-one on the ground. It's uh, not always enough just to get on the bus. There's other. So, <clears throat> in my thank life, you I'm so much for, for giving us a scenic tour of your political uh, maturity and your political life, your political realities. And what I found very interesting was how you, as you moved through all these different experiences, you had to watch out for yourself. You couldn't trust that simply because you are, quote, leftist, that you, you'd be protected out there. No, you still had to have your wits about you, and you still had to... Uh, protect yourself. That's quite a lesson. Quite a lesson. Thank you so much for <laughs> contributing today. Thank you. Thank you, Dutrice. Bye-bye. All right. Brother David from Brooklyn, how are you? You're on the air. Hello, hello. You know, my journey is uh, approaching the 9-0 mark. And wow. during this journey, I've made a lot of changes. I can remember 
as a child playing soldier and with uh, toy guns and things and uh, and as I go uh, down the road of life I thought it was a normal thing to get into the military so I became officer in the military and I went on and I made changes all along the way so I'm at the point now jump fast forward where the main thing that I'm concerned with after all that schooling that uh, didn't help much, uh, I learned most things that are important to me after I got out of school. Uh, for great scholars like uh, Dr. Bannon, Dr. Clark, and, and many others. Uh, so the point is I'm at a point the highest point now, I think, where the main thing that's important to me is two things, truth and justice. So that's where I stand for truth and justice. And that's where I am. I'm not involved with any of these uh, uh, so-called political parties. I know that the ruling elite control all of them. And as I have said before, uh, there are no other viable uh, parties around. And most people are victims of a scam that is run by the small, very tiny ruling elite that runs the whole country. So that's where I stand on your question. When did you begin to consciously change and to I come through with a, a whole different vision of what it is you were dealing with? Uh, ah, that's a wonderful question. My change really started after I got into the military at that time, uh, back in the 50s, and I was uh, always on a base where there were uh, very few or none in terms of black officers, and I was an officer. <laughs> and, and the things that happened to me in the military, uh, all the racism that I faced and uh, abuse uh, and survived, and that really woke me up. And so I made a change at that time. I started to study on my own, and I made a move. I got disconnected from any of the two jive political parties, and I started to <laughs> really dig into study on my own, and that changed me uh fantastically so that's where i am now so uh i think the most important thing is truth and justice i say truth because the ruling elite that runs the country that's the last thing they want people to know and that is the truth and they don't care anything about justice so uh, that's a quite a journey that I've made so far, and I'm 
I'm still on the road, and I'm thinking about that every day. That's my measuring tool. Uh, a, a ladder, uh, a ruler that measures truth and justice. And I think that everyone should think about the idea of learning some truth and justice. The ruling elite is not going to give up very easy. But if people understand that it's incumbent upon them to find out information on their own. You can't depend on your enemy to be the source of your education. Your enemy is only interested in your training. And I know about that. I was in the military. They don't educate. They, they train you. And that's what they do to the people here. And they train you with the television, the radio, the newspapers, and any way they can train you to uh, go along with the corrupt system of uh, capitalism and imperialism that runs this country and wants to run the world. Uh, so if you don't understand that, uh, you're falling way, way behind. So I, everywhere I go, I talk about these things, and I bring these things up when people, in many cases, they don't talk about any issues. All many people think about is what we call chit-chat. And uh, we have to get beyond the point of living a life when we just do chit-chat. We have to do some real study to survive in this world and deal with this small ruling class that essentially controls us. And it is a wonderful thing when people wake up and understand the system that we live in is in the uh, employ of those who are in that small, small, small group of the ruling elite, the plutocrats who run the country. Well, amen. Thank you for today, Brother David. Thank you so much. Thank you. How far do you have to go until the big 9-0? Uh, I have a few months, and then, then I'm there, and I'm going for, I'm, I'm staying on track. I'm going up to the uh, centurion level, uh, plan that, and the only way I can get there, I have to eat right and exercise in spite of all the wounds I have had over these years, you know, with uh, bad medical treatment and whatnot. But that's not going to stop me. I'm going on. I want to be around. (laughs) All right. Thank you for calling in today and contributing so meaningfully. Thank you so much. Thank you for all that you do. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Marcus from Wisconsin, you're on the air. Thank you, Eutrice. Uh, what a very great pleasure to hear you back uh, at oh, your thank battle you. station. Thank, thank you. It's it's really wonderful. I'm glad to have you back at your battle station where you belong. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I like that. My battle station. I like that. Yes. You're, you're uh, an incredibly vital media resource. Uh, one of the tiny handful in the United States that's available to people. And uh, I can only acknowledge you for it and thank you for it. It's, it, it takes a lot of courage and uh, perseverance and determination. And it's inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll riff on this topic. I'll take a couple choruses on this. Um, I haven't changed much uh, other than to become even more deeply entrenched in the view I've had for the last 50 years. Uh, it's, it's the system that has changed around us and is changing right in front of our eyes. Um, so the discussions earlier uh, are very interesting uh, about leftism and what it was and where one finds oneself now and how it played out during the whole uh, COVID fiasco scamdemic. Um, look, at least since the 1970s, leftism, if you go back to Paris in May of 1968, the great insurrection and the thinking around it by the situationists and what it led to, the Black Panthers um, and the Red Army faction in Germany and the Red Brigades in Italy and the violent leftist movements against the state in Europe, in the United States. That thinking that came out of that movement has been stamped out. And ever since then, what we've had, a, a very carefully crafted program by media and the state to make people think that the left is this tepid liberalism that has been a warmongering upper middle class ever since the Woodrow Wilson administration. That is not leftism. It never was. It never will be. It's a form of right-wing conservatism. And as a result, what you saw play out during you know, COVID, for instance, anybody could have looked up the fact that since Fauci was uh, installed in office at the head of the CDC in the early 1980s, the chronic uh, disease rate among children was 12 percent in 1986 when he took office. In 2017, it's 54 percent. Okay, that was on his watch. Now, anybody in media could have found this out and did. The, the media's job is to lie and sit on these things and make sure the public never becomes aware of obvious facts like this. So what we end up with is not science, it's academia, which is something entirely different. Uh, this is what is given to people sitting in front of the screen on the double wide with emojis rattling around in their heads like beans in a bass drum. 
Okay, the, you know, so you get nonsense. Well, the benefits outweigh um, the uh, that we the benefits we can't demonstrate outweigh the risks that we choose to ignore and not tell you about. So this passes as science. What this what what we have now is not government. It's not politics. That's why the left, left-right distinctions are so meaningless. What we have is a cryptocracy, a rule by secrets. The state's function is merely as an insurance policy to protect the rich. So uh, we're allowed to endlessly debate and discuss the lesser of two evils candidates that are thrown in front of us that we're going to uh, line up to vote or for or against. But we must never look at the evil that only gives you those choices which is the financier class, which we refuse to even acknowledge or do anything about. At least since the 1970s, leftism has meant, are you for or against the revolution? If you're not for the revolution, you're a conservative. That's what it's meant. That's what leftism means. So what we're getting now, what it's morphing into now, what our economic masters have in mind for us, uh, as, uh, you know, Obama's old info czar, Cass Sunstein, who is a big, um, uh, a big wheel now in helping set up the big biomedical control grid that we're all supposed to be excited about, um, this this is what you have now. This is what you're getting. It's a cryptocracy. And we're just supposed to stare at our screens uh, and pretend that we can elect somebody who will do something about it or, you know, care about us. It's basic. Uh, politics now is basically the adult equivalent of children writing a letter to Santa Claus at Christmas time. It will have that much effect. It's nonsense. Leftism is revolution or it's nothing. It, the, the problem is, is that leftism, uh, as it currently has been masquerading for the last 50 years, is what it's really done to the working class is it's taken away its internal locus of control. I can act in my own interest. I can organize with my neighbors and friends and co-workers and change the society to an external locus of control. The fault is never with me. If I could just uh, elect the right leader, then everything will be fine. As far as I can tell, that's been the great change. That's why the left is now the howling farce that it is. And, and American society is a psy opera. That's what it is. They ma- manipulate you emotionally. Politics is expectation management. And, and this is what we're sitting still for. The problem is, is that we have to act. The responsibility is ours. And if we don't take it, we will be, <laughs> we will be slaves. 
that's, that's the end of it. Your children will be slaves. Now, I, I would love to, you know, have a nice, quiet, Edwardian room, polite, political debate about these things, <laughs> but it's too late for that. An Edwardian room, of all things. Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just too late for that. At some point, we have to realize that as leftists or, or you know, freedom-loving people or whatever you want to call yourself, the names don't matter. The responsibility is yours. This is work for adults who are willing to summon up courage and dedication and, and, and work at this. It's not going to be easy. The longer, because we've waited so long, because we've sat on our haunches for the last 50, 70 years, thinking that some, some fairy godmother in, in office is going to do the work that be, rightfully belongs to us, the longer we wait, the harder it gets. Now, if you want to dump this job on your children, stand in front of the mirror and admit that's what you're willing to do. Otherwise, let's get busy. Amen. Thank you. Well, we got quite a, a teaching today, several teachings, as a matter of fact, and we couldn't get to all of them, so we will continue the discussion tomorrow. Um so that everyone is heard. But I want to thank you very much, all of you who contributed today, because there was so much said, so much teaching going on, and I hope it registers that way with those listening, that we very seldom get involved in conversations like this. We very seldom encourage the inspection of where we are and why certain things are not working. Are we complicit? Uh, where do we place ourselves on the political map? We will continue this discussion tomorrow. I thank you all for contributing so meaningfully today. It was quite a lesson, quite a lesson. Thank you so much. And we'll meet up again tomorrow. Uh, those of you who didn't get on today, uh, we're not going to abandon you. Absolutely not. So you'll be taken care of tomorrow, and we look forward to hearing what you have to say. Thanks again, and bye-bye.